Good morning. So we are going to take a look at the eighth son of Jacob. Do you know who that is? Just off the top of your head, just the eighth son of Jacob. <laughs> well, you will after we get through with this lesson this morning. Let me do this. First Chronicles uh, chapters 1 through 9 is all genealogy. And it talks about the sons of Jacob. And the most famous probably is Judah and Levi. Maybe I could add in there also Benjamin. Remember him? He was the youngest. And then there's one other that has this coat. Remember him? Joseph. So uh, they would be in there also. But the eighth son, that's Asher. And that's who we're going to talk about this morning in three points. Asher's birth, Asher's life, and then Asher's legacy. Now, you may be wondering why I decided to talk about those genealogies that are contained there in the first Chronicles, the first nine chapters. Mostly this is for Sue, because I know she loves genealogies, so I just thought I'd do this for her. You know? <laughs> Most of the time, I'm just picking on Sue. Most of the time, when we come to genealogies in the Bible, what do we do? We just kind of turn the page, don't we? You take a look at Genesis and the first four chapter, first four chapters, and you go, "Well, there's creation, chapters one and two. That's interesting." And then chapter three, Satan comes into the garden. That's interesting. Chapter four, there's a little intrigue because one of the sons of Adam and Eve kills the other son, and it's like, "Wow, this story is really heating up." And then you come to chapter five, and there's this genealogy. So you just turn the page. Let's get on with Noah and so forth, right? And so in First Chronicles, you have nine chapters of genealogies. And a lot of times we look at that and we go, well, let's just skip forward to chapter 10 and we'll start reading there. But there's some actually valuable information that's contained in those genealogies there. And one of those, I believe, is an inspiring story by the man by the name of Asher, which is actually Jacob's eighth son. So I'm going to back up just a little bit to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 30. This is where he actually originally comes on the scene. And I'm going to explain this just a little bit because you've got to know some background in order to appreciate what it has to say about Asher. Genesis chapter 30 and verses 12 and 13. Listen close. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I'm happy, for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Did you get that? Did you see whose Asher's mother was? It wasn't Leah. It was Zilpah. So as you read through the books of the pages of the Old Testament and you read about Jacob, you remember Abraham, right? God calls Abraham. He promises him a son, Isaac. And then Isaac has a son, Jacob. And then Jacob has 12 sons. And they become the nation of Israel. Doesn't seem that complicated, does it? Not till you start to read. And then you find out, hey, this is really messy. Because Jacob does have 12 sons, but he's got two wives, and they each have a handmaid. So Jacob has 12 sons by four different women. Wait a minute, that's in the Bible? <laughs> yeah. And so when we just read from Genesis, the 30, 30th chapter, verses 12 and 13, it's Zilpha, Leah's handmaiden, that gives Jacob a son. And Leah says she's happy and she names him Asher. You know what Asher means? It means happy. Do you think he was all that happy at that particular point in time? So back up for just a moment. So there's the son of Isaac, Jacob. And he's looking for a wife. And he meets up with a young lady by the name of Rachel. And she's beautiful. Jacob falls head over heels. He wants to marry her. 
So he goes and talks to Laban, which is Rachel's father. And Laban says, if you work for me for seven years, I'll give you Rachel for your wife. And Jacob said, sounds like a deal to me. And so he starts to work for him, works for him for seven years. It comes the day of the marriage. But that night, Rachel has an older sister by the name of Leah. And it's really the older that should marry before the younger. And so Laban, that night, does a little switcheroo. He gives him Leah. And then Jacob realizes, this ain't Rachel. This is Leah. So he talks to Laban. And he says, what's happening here? And Laban says, tell you what. You work for me another seven years. And I'll give you Rachel. So Jacob, because he loved her. And in Genesis 29, it says, because he loved her, that seven years seemed as but a few days. And so he worked another seven years. And after 14 years, he's got two wives. Now, the story's already starting to thicken, right? And then in Genesis, the 29th chapter, God sees that Leah is unloved. Jacob loved Rachel. He just agreed to take Leah. But God sees that Leah is unloved. So what does he do? He blesses her so that she might bear a child. And then it says, Leah says, and now surely Jacob will love me. And she gives him four sons. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. And then she stops bearing children. Well, Rachel sees what's going on here. And so she decides Leah's having all these kids. She's not having any kids. So she comes up with the idea. I will give Jacob my handmaiden and see if he can have a child with her. And you know what happens? He does. In fact, he has a couple of sons. Dan and Naphtali. And so now Leah hasn't seen, hasn't had any kids for a while. And now she sees that the handmaiden of Rachel has given him a couple sons. And so she decides, maybe I ought to try that. So she gives Zilpha to Jacob. You following this? Two more sons. Gad, Asher. That's where Asher comes on the scene. He's now the eighth son of Jacob. And all these women are involved. Three so far. Leah will end up having a couple of more sons. And then eventually, Rachel will have two sons. You know who they are? Joseph and Benjamin. Rachel will die giving birth to Benjamin. But that's later in the story. So in Genesis chapter 12 and verses 12 and 13, or Genesis chapter 30 and verse 12 and 13, Leah is happy because her handmaid Zilpah has born sons to Jacob. And that's where Asher comes on the scene. Now at first you think about, well, he's the eighth son. And that's just kind of an also ran, isn't it, by now? Kind of nondescript. But he will grow up in one of the most dysfunctional Old Testament families that there is. 
And can't you already see how this is going? And how there's one man and there's two wives and there's two handmaids, there's four women and they're all having kids. And can you imagine the competition that's going on there? Between all of them? But you know, that's one of the things that's really unique about the Bible. It tells you the truth about people. (laughs) And here's a family that is totally dysfunctional. But if you stop and think about what all is going on here, there's there will be parental favoritism. There will be sibling rivalry. There will be deceit. There will be resentment. And it will lead to a lot of chaos. But stop and think for just a moment. So let's think about the very first family. Adam and Eve, surely that was the ideal family, right? The very first family. Well, it wasn't long Adam and Eve are in the garden and they get kicked out. And shortly after they get kicked out, one of their sons kills the other one. Well, that's not your model family, is it? So let's skip forward just a little bit to Noah. Here's the guy that builds the ark. And what happens? His sons have to take and cover him up because he got drunk and lost his clothes. (laughs) Sounds like spring break, doesn't it? (laughs) And then there's Jesse. He has eight sons. And most of them are loyal in serving the country. But when their youngest brother comes out to check on them, see about them, they... Treat him rudely. And that's David. And you think about David, he's the greatest king that Israel ever had. Surely he has the model family. His family is a disaster. He is a great king. He is a terrible father. The man after God's own heart. And he's a terrible father. And so oftentimes we look in the scriptures and we think we have sort of this Norman Rockwell sort of image where the family all gather around the table at holiday time and everybody's hugging and smiling and isn't it great? (laughs) And then you look in here and you go, that ain't Norman Rockwell. (laughs) That is terrible. And then you have Asher and his brothers. And they're no different. And as you think about these families, I want you to just ask yourself this. With all this sibling rivalry, lying and deceit, parental favoritism at times, and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever heard of that? (laughs) Have you ever experienced that? Do these families, I want to be careful. Do these families sound like your family? Like our family? It's not much different. But see, I think that's the value of Asher. So here's Asher. And he's born the eighth son of Jacob. And he's not born to the favorite wife. He's born not even to the least favorite wife. He's born to the handmaiden of the least favorite wife. And Joseph, the one we're going to talk about here in just a minute, who's he born to? Rachel. That's the woman that Jacob really loved. And she bears Joseph. And then Benjamin later. But Joseph. And what are we told about Joseph? Oh, he's the favorite, right? And he's the one that Jacob gives a coat, right? But he's also the one that Jacob sends out into the field to check on his other brothers. 
Listen to this. Genesis, the 37th chapter, beginning at verse 2. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, now that's his son. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding with the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Villa and the sons of Zilpha. Who is that? Those are the handmaids. And Joseph goes out there. Don't you all know? That's the favorite son? That's Rachel's son. Do you think in that 17 years that these other boys ever talked about the fact of who their mother was? And who was the favorite? Jacob didn't try to hide it. He gave Joseph a coat of many colors. Remember that? And do you remember the visions and the dreams that Joseph was having about talking about one of these days? I'll rule over you. (laughs) And they're like, you rule over me? (laughs) And so Jacob sends him out to check on them. And you know what happens when they see him coming? They get together. And they say, let's kill him. Let's kill him. Reuben, the oldest, says, wait, hang on. Let's throw him in a pit. Don't kill him. Throw him in this pit. So they take him and throw him in that pit. And you know what happens after that? There's some Midianite traders that come by. And so they decide killing him's not going to really benefit us any. Let's pull him up out of there and let's sell him to these guys. Do you think Joseph might have pleaded with them? Don't do that. Hey, you're my brothers, at least half brothers. Don't do this. They sell him to those traders who are headed for Egypt. Now in the meantime, chapter 37. You know what these brothers do? How are we going to explain this to our dad? So they take his coat, they kill a lamb, they dip it in blood, and then they go back home and they show it to him. Is this, is this your son's coat? Acting all innocent. And he said, yes. It's Joseph and surely a wild animal has devoured him, torn him to pieces. And he mourns for his son. And you know what they all do? They all gather around. And they try to comfort him. Can you see the hypocrisy in that? Just evaluating that yourselves. When you look at a bunch of boys that would do that, how cold hearted is that? First, you're willing to kill your brother. And then when Reuben kind of calms that down a little bit, okay, we'll just sell him. You know what that is? First of all, that is conspiracy to commit murder. And then secondly, what it ends up in is human trafficking. In this country, those are felonies. And they're acting like, oh, we're just, you know, we're all innocent. And Jacob, we're so sorry. Dad, Dad, we're we're so sorry that you lost your son. And so Joseph ends up down in Egypt where he's going to be sold as a slave. And he'll go to work as a house servant. And then he'll be lied upon. And then he'll be put in prison. But we're also told that God was with him. Back up for just a moment. I don't want to move on. So you stop and think about those brothers.
how cold do you have to be? That first of all, you'd be willing to kill your brother. But then secondly, that you would sell him? And then lie to your father about all of this? The eighth son of Jacob is right in the mix of all that. Let me ask you this. Have you ever known anybody that's even close to being the kind of character that it would take to be involved with that? Can't say that I have. Somebody that would conspire to commit murder? I read about them. I don't know. Someone that has been involved with human trafficking and it was their brother or half-brother? You know anybody like that? I've never known anybody like that. I've read about them. And I think it's despicable. Human trafficking? So let me ask you this. Do you think a person like that, do you think they could change? And be a good person? I know this. Jeremiah, the 13th chapter and verse 23. When Jeremiah is prophesying to God's people and they have apostatized and they've gone off into all kinds of things, they've done despicable things equal to what we just talked about here. And God, through Jeremiah, asked this question. Jeremiah 13, about verse 23. He said, can the Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can the leopard change his spots? It's kind of a rhetorical question. No. (laughs) A man on his own cannot just change the color of his skin. A leopard on his own cannot just change his spots. But you know what God is telling him? I can change him. I can change him. Genesis, the 46th chapter. Once again, I ask you, listen close. Genesis 46 and verse 6. So they took their livestock. I'll explain this in just a moment. So they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him. Did you catch that? Jacob, remember him? He's the father, right? And all of his descendants, that'd be all those boys, right? (laughs) Except Joseph. And it says they went to Egypt. It doesn't mention Joseph because Joseph's already there, right? So Genesis, the 46th chapter, Jacob and all of his sons, the descendants, they're all moving down to Egypt now. Watch verse 17. The sons of Gad, verse 17, reading verse 16. Verse 17. The sons of Asher were Jemna, Ishwa, Ishi, Bariah, Sarai, their sister. You know what that just said? Asher's there, isn't he? Asher with his family is down in Egypt. So let me back up for just a second and tell you what happened. So Joseph is in Egypt, right? And he's working as a house servant and he gets lied upon by Potiphar's wife. He ends up in prison, but God is with him. He interprets the dreams of Pharaoh's butler and baker. 
And eventually, he gets released from prison. And then there is a famine that is going to be coming. And Joseph interprets the dreams of Pharaoh to help them prepare for the famine that is coming. And so Egypt starts to store up grain. Pharaoh elevates Joseph to second in command. There's nobody higher in Egypt than, or than Joseph than, except for Pharaoh. So now then, that famine was through all the land. I want you to stop and think about this for a moment. It's been several years now. And these boys are all back there with Jacob. And they're growing up. And Joseph is down there and he's going through his trials. But God is with him. And now he's second in command. Most powerful nation on earth at that time. And Joseph is second in command. The son, the half-brother that they sold into slavery is now running things down in Egypt. Back home, it's a famine. There's a good chance we could starve to death. So let me ask you something. Do you think over the years, do you think those boys ever thought about what they did? Do you think in the short time after they did that, that whenever they would gather around the table, and Joseph's seat is empty. And they could see the sad look on their father's face. You think they ever just kind of rolled that over in their mind just a little bit? Reflecting on what they had done. And then the years go by and then there's this famine. And now things are in dire straits. And Jacob says, I want you to go down to Egypt to see if you can buy grain. Well, isn't it funny the way things work out sometimes? And so they go. And who is it that they're going to have to see and talk to about buying grain down there? (laughs) Nobody other than Joseph. But Joseph now is dressed like an Egyptian. They don't recognize him. But Joseph recognizes them. (laughs) And so to kind of fast forward in the story, Joseph thought about it. Getting even. But he didn't. And eventually he reveals himself to them. And wouldn't you have liked to have been there to see the look on their face when he said, hey, it's me, Joseph. Remember the guy that you threw in the pit and then sold? But you know what Joseph said? He said, it wasn't you that sent me here. It was God. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. To preserve life. In other words, God knew all along what would happen. And so Joseph asks about his brother. Where's Benjamin? (laughs) Right? That's his full brother. Same mother. Same father. How's my father doing? And then he sends word. You go get him. And you all come down here and live here. I'll take care of you. And you know where they settle? They settle in the land of Goshen. It is that fertile land along the Nile. That is prime real estate. Is that the way you would have thought this story would have gone? No, if it had been me and I'd been in Joseph's sandals, probably wouldn't have gone that way. But that's what Joseph does. And so they all moved down there and they settled in the land of Goshen. That's where I just read Asher is there. The descendants of Jacob come down and it mentions Asher in particular. He is there with his family. 
he is enjoying the grace, mercy, blessing of the brother that he first wanted to kill and then sold into slavery. How do you think he feels now? His name, Asher, remember what it means? Happy. Do you think he's happy now? I think so. He might not have been so happy when he first started out. I'm just the eighth son of Jacob's least favorite wife's handmaid. And I'm always hearing about the oldest, Reuben, <laughs> the youngest, Benjamin, the most favorite, Joseph, the strongest, Judah, and what am I? <laughs> oh, you're just the son of a handmaid. Think there was any rivalry? I know there was. Think there was any jealousy? You know there was. They wanted to kill him. And then they sold him. So Asher's life. First Chronicles. This is where I'll read now. James read from First Chronicles 7 and verse 30. I'll read from verse 40 now. First Chronicles, the seventh chapter, and verse 40. Listen. And all these were the children of Asher. Heads of their fathers' houses, choice men, mighty men of valor, chief leaders, and they were recorded by genealogies among the army fit for battle, for their number was 26,000. Do you think Asher has been blessed down through the generations? He's absolutely been blessed. But you know what else I also believe? I believe life and experiences and the good times and the bad times and the experience with Joseph, I think it's had a huge impact on Asher. I can't point to the exact moment, but I can put the pieces together and somewhere along the line, his character started to change. And his heart started to change. And he became a different man. In Genesis, the 49th chapter, in about verse 20, when Asher's father, Jacob, is about to die, he calls all of his sons to him for one last time. And he wants to speak one last word to them. And in Genesis 49, I'll just read this to you right quick. Genesis 49 and verse 20. He speaks about Asher. And he says, bread from Asher shall be rich. And he shall yield royal dainties. That's the blessing. That Jacob gives to Asher. The New Living Translation renders it this way. Asher will dine on rich foods. And produce food fit for a king. You know what that's saying? You're going to do good Asher. <laughs> From here on. Life's going to be good to you Asher. And he blesses him. Move forward. About 400 years. Because you've got to keep the story straight. Asher is the son to Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. They end up down in Egypt, right? But while they are in Egypt, they are greatly blessed. They begin to multiply until it gets to the point where there's another Pharaoh arose who did not know Joseph, and he sees that these Hebrews are not just a few, they're becoming a million or more. 
And so he becomes concerned and he enslaves them to make sure that they can't turn against Egypt itself. And he enslaves them. And they're enslaved for close to 400 years. And so it's the descendants of Jacob and the descendants of Asher that eventually come up out of Egyptian bondage to Mount Sinai and enter into a covenant with God. Deuteronomy the 33rd, or Deuteronomy chapter 33. Now it's Moses. And he's going to place a blessing on the tribe of Asher. Deuteronomy 33. Let me get there. And verse 24. And it's interesting too that as, as Moses is pronouncing these blessings upon the different tribes, Asher's last. And in verse 24, And of Asher he said, Asher is most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil your sandals shall be iron and bronze as your days so shall your strength be isn't that interesting part of the blessing that he pronounces on him he says let Asher be favored by his brothers Isn't that something? Was Joseph always favored by his brothers? But when Moses pronounces this blessing before they're going into the promised land, he says, let Asher be favored by his brothers. Let him bathe his feet in oil. You know what that talks about? That's talking about the good times. Let the good times roll. Had Asher ever seen diversity? Sure. He had been through that famine. And you know, whenever you go through hard times, how do you feel about the good times? Aren't you thankful for them? You certainly are. And your sandals shall be as iron. Some translations say, let your gates be. That's one of those Hebrew phrases that different translators render it different ways because of the word. But what it means in general is let strength be yours and that you might be secure. And so you stop and you think about those blessings and you think about Asher and you think about his life. So let me ask you, was Asher born into trying, challenging circumstances. Yeah, he was. This family was messed up. (laughs) This was challenging. He was born into challenging circumstances. Did Asher make any poor choices early in his life? Absolutely. He wanted to kill his brother. And then he sold him. Choices that he was going to have to live with. You know, sometimes we can be born into circumstances. Sometimes we can make poor choices. And sometimes we can tie our poor choices to other people. Born into the wrong family. I learned it from his dad. She learned it from her mom. Circumstances. And then they make poor choices. But you know what the story of Asher tells us about that? Just because that's your beginning, it doesn't mean it has to be your end. That's what it tells us. In Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 24... Asher is most blessed of sons. Some translations render that. Let Asher be blessed with children. In that day and time, to have a lot of children, to have a lot of sons, 
That was a blessing. And that's what Moses is saying. Let that blessing fall upon Asher. And in Numbers, the first chapter, then over in Numbers, the 26th chapter, his descendants have grown to 53,400. <laughs> A little bigger than my family. <laughs> Asher was greatly blessed. Deuteronomy 33, and verse 24, the second part of that, let him be favored by his brothers. And what that means is let him be approved. Let them be pleased with him. Let them delight in him. It's a blessing to have harmony and unity within a family, isn't it? Do you know any families that have rivalry, struggles, fights between brothers and sisters? Yeah. Let me give this illustration. There was two guys that lived out on land. And the only thing that was dividing their property was this small creek. And then they, one day something happened between the brothers. They got upset with one another. They quit talking to one another. And then pretty soon one of them built a fence right down that creek. So the other brother saw that, and so he built a fence right down that creek. And for 40 years, neither one of them crossed that creek because there was a fence on either side. I don't want to talk to you, and you don't talk to me. And then after 40 years, one of the brothers finally went down there and tore down a section of the fence, and he built a bridge going to the other side. This brother saw that and he went down and he tore down a section of his fence. And then the first one saw that. You know what happened? I was going to throw in a funny line and say they burned that bridge. But no. <laughs> they met on that bridge. They met on that bridge. After all that time. Finally resolved. So let me ask you this question. Do you think Asher ever thought about how God helped those brothers to build that bridge? You didn't need your brother, you didn't think. But I put him in a place of authority and you were about to starve to death and now you need him. Don't you? And Joseph, remember when you were parading around in that coat and you thought you were all that? And then when you were down here by yourself, you thought about home and how you'd like to be back with him. Build a bridge, right? Proverbs 16 and verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Paul said in Romans 12, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. As much as it depends on you. So in Deuteronomy 33 and verse latter part of verse 24 then it says let your sandals be as iron or as bronze in that day and time feet were exposed to the elements and so Asher would be the same and he says let his feet be dipped in oil well everybody had to wash their feet but it was only those who were wealthy could afford to use olive oil to then soak their feet, wash their feet of having the luxury of being able to do that. 
So here's the other part. So when Joshua led them into the promised land and it came time for them to divide up that land, do you know where Asher's tribe ended up being located? At the very northern end of Galilee, right along the Mediterranean coast. And you know what that land is good for? Olive trees. It's rich, it's fertile. And that's Asher. That was the blessing for him. He says, let your sandals be as iron and bronze. Let your locks be, some translations say that. That you might be strong. That you might be blessed. One last point. Asher's legacy. Deuteronomy 33 in verse 25. Your sandals be as iron and bronze. Now the last part. As your days, so shall your strength be. As your days, so shall your strength be. Let me ask you. Would you pray for that blessing? I would. I think we all would. As your days are, let your strength be. Have you known anyone that in their old age they lost their strength? They couldn't do what they used to do. Maybe it's physically. Maybe it's mentally. But they've got days but they don't have strength. And he says, let your strength be as your days. So Moses says, your strength will equal your days. And we pray for that kind of thing. But let me add something to that. First Peter 5 and verse 8. Our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You know what other animals oftentimes prey on? <laughs> they prey on the weak, right? Vulnerable. So, do you think early on, Asher, in the circumstances that he was in, do you think Satan saw him and goes, there's one. A son born to a handmaid, jealous, envious. I'll get him. So he's going to conspire to commit murder? When that doesn't work out, I'll just sell him. It's a felony. <laughs> it's also sin. Satan wanted him. But you know who else wanted him? God wanted him. So let me read to you from Isaiah the 64th chapter. In verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. And you are the potter. And all we are the work of your hands. Did God change these spots? Was he clay in God's hands? I think he was. Satan wanted it. God was watching over. But he had to make a choice. Will you listen? It's the same choice we make. So Asher is an interesting guy. At first, he's just simply the eighth son, born of a handmaid, born into a dysfunctional family, willing to kill his half-brother, and then he sells him into slavery. 
But then later he has to go to that brother and ask for help during a famine. His family then moves down to Egypt and eventually he becomes one of the tribes of Israel. He enjoys prosperity, favor with his brothers, his feet dipped in oil. The men in his family become warriors for the nation. His strength matches his days. And when he started off, would you have given him a chance? I thought, he'll never make it. He did. So here's the last point. He leaves a legacy. Luke, the second chapter. So not long, within just days, after Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary have to take Jesus up to the temple to present him before the Lord. Now listen to what Luke records. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with the husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel or in Jerusalem. Isn't that something? Of the lineage, the tribe of Asher, a prophetess. And when Jesus is brought to the temple, it's a descendant of Asher. So that's him. That's the one that we're looking to for redemption in Jerusalem. What a story. What a God. Right? What a legacy. I extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If we can help you make your relationship right with the Lord this day, you let us know how we can help while together we stand and while we sing.